This morning, I'm going to be sharing a message with you entitled, The Weapons of Our Warfare. The Weapons of Our Warfare. And I believe this is a really important message for us as Christians. It's quite foundational, and it's simple, but it's important. And this is the kind of message that it's really meant to be applied Okay, it's really meant to be used when you walk out of here. It's not a message that will tickle your ears and uh, intellectually stimulate you and you can walk out and think, oh, that was a nice message and I'm not going to apply it. No, this is the type of message that I want you to walk out of here and apply in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week and you haven't caught up the message, please listen to that. You'll find it online. I was uh, uh, teaching and speaking around God who is with us. And I believe this is a follow-on from that message because sometimes in life we hit circumstances, maybe not seasons, but circumstances where we feel heavy, where there's challenges, there's resistance. And we have to know what weapons to pick up, right? We have to know how to fight in that particular situation, in that particular place. And I was um, asking my kids this morning if they would help me do a demo for you all, and they declined. (laughs) <laughs> so you're going to have to use your imaginations. But I think um, many, of, many of us as Christians, we have our favorite weapon that we use. We have our favorite thing that we use over and over, and we use it for everything. Every uh, battle we come up against, every resistance we face, and we use that one thing. And I think as a church, we're quite strong on petition and supplication. What is that? That's asking God. So we like to ask God. So we ask Him for things. So I am I'm facing resistance. I'm facing heaviness, maybe. I need a breakthrough. Lord, I pray that you would break through on my behalf. Lord, please, would you come through for me? Maybe I'm facing sickness. Lord, I ask that you would heal me. Lord, I know you're my healer. Please, would you heal me? I am feeling depressed and heavy. Lord, I pray that you would take this heaviness from me. I ask that you would, you would restore joy to me. So we're good at asking for things, Right? That's petition, that's supplication. But how many of you know that the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and he gives us different weapons for different things? So the Bible says that he's given us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So if I'm feeling heavy today, I can't just stay in that place of, Lord, please, would you take this heaviness from me? Lord, please, would you take this depression from me? Lord, please, would you? He say, and he's saying to us, you know what, Trace? The the weapon for you to use when you're feeling heavy is a garment of praise. Pick up a garment of praise. He's saying to me, pick up a garment of praise, begin to praise me, and the heaviness will break. But most of us stay in a passive place of, Lord, Lord, please would you, Lord, please will you. And he's saying, use what I've given you. So you can imagine in Ephesians 6, and we're going to look at that scripture just now, he lists a whole lot of weapons for us to use. And... um, there's the, the, the shield of faith, there's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, there's the belt of truth, and we're going to look at all of these different weapons, but a whole lot of weapons, and most of us, I had this picture this morning, most of us are just standing there, our faith, shield of faith is down, our sword of the spirit is down, that's the word of God, okay, uh, some of us might not even have the belt of truth around our pants, you know, so our pants can fall down, we can be uncovered, and we're standing there, and the enemy's attacking us, and he's fighting us, and he's leveling blows at us and his fiery darts are coming against us and we're standing there with all these weapons hanging down and we're saying Lord please would you rescue me Lord please would you come through for me and he's saying pick up your weapons and fight and that's where I think a lot of us find ourselves and so this morning I'm going to start a series talking about the weapons of our warfare you know when we get sick when like some of us have children who struggle with asthma or eczema, or whatever it is, and we find ourselves constantly a place of, of saying, Lord, but in your word, you said that you've healed us, and so we come to pray, and we say, Lord, please, would you heal my child? Lord, please, would you heal my child? Or maybe we struggle with infirmity. Lord, please, will you heal me? And he's saying, you know what? I already healed you. Stand on my word until the healing manifests in the natural. See, we've got to move from a place of being, Lord, please will you, Lord, please will you, to a place of knowing our authority. He said, all authority I've given you. You know, when Jesus used the Lord's prayer as an example, and he said, therefore pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those are commands. 
That is not, Lord, please may your kingdom come in my household and my kids. Lord, please may your kingdom come. No, that's prophecy. Thy kingdom come. That's commanding it. So some of us have a spirit of infirmity against us, and we're like, Lord, please would you just remove the sickness from me? Please. He's like, I've given you the authority, command it to go. You know, I was in a prayer meeting this week, and I heard someone praying, and they said, Lord, please would you consecrate us? I'm like, no, we don't ask God to do that. Some of us are asking God to do what he's told us to do. You can't say, Lord, please will you submit me? The Bible says, submit yourself right? Lord, please, would you, Lord, please, would you remove this? No, the Lord says, stand up, submit yourself, consecrate yourself, and rebuke it. Amen. We've got to pick up our weapons and fight. Amen. So in different, in warfare, there are numerous weapons that we've been given by the Lord, and we have to know which one to pick up at which time. And it comes by practice. And you know what? Sometimes we don't know which one to use. And I explained this to you before. Sometimes I've been in situations where this demon will manifest. Or even right now, there's such heaviness that I felt from yesterday. Such resistance. And it's like I'm pushing and I'm pushing. And I probably because I'm preaching this message today. And I haven't managed to break through no matter what weapon I've wielded. But you know what? I'm not going to stop trying. And maybe this message is the weapon that will break it. But we've got to keep trying. We've got, okay, so you know what? You're feeling heaviness. Try praise. Because the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Next one, pray in the spirit. Next one, declare his word. Declare his promises. Stand on his promises. Hide in his word. Have I got up the shield of faith? What are the promises that God has told me? And we begin to use all the weapons that he's given us. And you know what? At some point, you will break through. But the Bible says that with the Israelites, God didn't give them the land all at once because they needed to fight for the land so that when they had it, they would be able to stand and they'd know how to fight. So sometimes God allows warfare and challenges to come against us because he wants to teach us how to fight. Because if he just did everything for us, we would never learn how to fight. And when we stand at a higher level and we've been promoted, you bet your bottom dollar, you're going to have to know how to fight. You're going to have to know how to stand and keep the ground that he's given us. Amen. So we keep working our way through these weapons if we don't know which one to use until we find the one that breaks through for us. And today I'm going to spend this message looking at the word of God. That is the weapon that I'm looking at today. The Word of God. And there's so many ways that we can use the Word of God. The Word of God is so powerful and it's an offensive weapon and we have to, we have to know how to use it. Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 18 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The whole armor that's using all the weapons that God has given us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. I'm going to continue reading. But having done all to stand. So you've done everything you know to do. You've used every weapon you know to use. And then you stand. You don't stand from the start. Like a Christian with your weight, like I was describing earlier, with your sword down, your shield down. And you're saying, Lord, Lord, please. And you're supplicating. Lord, please, would you? And he's like, having done all, stand. You can stand and stand, but pick up your weapons and fight first. Amen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, Stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. To gird our waists with truth, we need the word of God. Amen. Amen. We need the word of God, the truth. That's the belt that holds your pants up. That's the belt that covers your nakedness. That's things like integrity, and we're going to look at that a bit later. Okay? Breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking up the shield of faith. Guess what? You can't pick up the shield of faith if you don't have the word inside of you because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. No word of God, no faith. Okay? Shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what we're looking at today. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That's another weapon. Being watchful to this end with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
So some examples of spiritual weapons that we've been given, and a lot of them are that, I, that I'm going to cover are in that portion of Scripture, but there are a few others. There's truth, breastplate of righteousness, gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, all prayer and supplication and watching. Then there are other weapons that we find in other places in the Bible that I'm also going to cover at some point. Praise is a weapon. Peace is a weapon. Joy is a weapon. Love is a weapon. All of these things. So we're going to be going through that. But today I'm looking specifically at the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is a man, is a person, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus. But the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, which is our offensive weapon. And I'm wanting to encourage us this morning concerning being in the Word, declaring the Word, memorizing the Word, remembering the Word, remembering the promises that God has spoken to you and I. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Some of you are concerned about things, concerned about your children, your grandchildren, concerned about things. Guess what? You're not going to be around forever, but you release the word of God. The word will stand forever. You release the word over those things, over those lives. The word stands forever. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper for the thing, in the thing for which I sent it. I want to ask you this morning, what word are you releasing over your life from the Lord? Because the word that you're releasing, the Bible says that it will prosper in the thing for which he sent it. We have to release the word of God. Amen. Okay, so the Word of God, the first situation that I'm wanting to encourage us to make use of the Word of God is in prayer. I, know, I noticed something interesting on Monday night when I was leading prayer, and I, I asked everyone if they could use the Word of God as far as possible in prayer. And it seemed a little bit hard for people to use the Word of God. I think we're not as used to using the Word of God in prayer as we should be. Okay, we need to be able to use the word of God in prayer. Why? Because the word is God's word. Okay, when we stand on that word, he must answer it because it's his word. When we pray according to biblical pattern and according to his word, he must say yes. Mustn't he? Yes. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought, inquired of the Lord, and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought and required him of necessity and on the authority of his word, and he heard me. Powerful. When we come to pray, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my time. When I come to prayer, I want it to count. Amen? And I'm sure you're the same. And one way that I can ensure that it counts is to base it on His Word, on the authority of His Word. On the authority of His Word. And He heard me. He answered. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions lack food and suffer hunger, but they who seek, inquire of, and require the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of His Word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. Powerful. So you can take any situation in your life and you can search out in the scripture and find a promise from God. And you can take that before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what your word says. And so I am requiring and asking you in line with this because you have to answer because it's your word. Amen. It's a powerful way. So some example is, I've got an example here, protection. You know, the coronavirus, I, I saw on Facebook you know, Facebook seems to be more up-to-date with the news than the news is sometimes. <laughs> that the 38, postured, I don't know, that's what I saw this morning, 38 that have been uh, uh, cases of coronavirus in, in the country. And so to say, okay, Lord, we don't we're not fearful. We'll be wise, but we're not fearful. And so we can say, okay, Lord, in Psalm 91, verse 1 to 15, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. 
In him I will trust. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every disease. Father, I bring my church, my family before you this morning and I stand on this word. Lord, your word says that you will rescue us from every trap. That you will protect us from every deadly disease. Father, we stand on that word. You are not a man that you should lie. We thank you this morning for protection for our children, for ourselves and for this church in Jesus' name. Pray according to the word. Short, I didn't labor for an hour in tongues, stood on his word. It's the truth, okay? It carries on. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shout to you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So we have to know his faithful promises, otherwise we will be without our armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor of the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Amen. Lord, we stand on that word and we say we will not be touched by this coronavirus in the name of Jesus. That's what your word says. We're standing on your word. Verse 9, if you make the Lord your refuge... The most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. Lord, we stand on that word that no plague will come near our home in Jesus' name. Amen. Boom. It's done. Okay? No praying and fasting for an hour, for days and days. We, I did it on his word. Okay? On health. We can even use that scripture from Psalm 91 for health. And yes, sometimes it takes a long time for us to see a long time in our perspective to see the fruition of standing on his word for health. One of my children has asthma. It's getting better. It's getting better, but he has asthma. He has eczema. It's getting better, but he still has it, and I'm still standing on that word because it's not, he's going to grow out of it. He's going to walk in complete healing because that's our inheritance. That's what Jesus paid for, and I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to stand on Psalm 91, Okay. If we've lost loved ones to ill health, if we've lost someone to ill health, how do we make sense of it? Well, we've got a choice. We can elevate our experience above the word, and we can say, well, in my life, my this or my that died because of this or that, and they were a Christian, so therefore I don't believe God's word. Well, or you can say, yes, that happened. I don't know the full picture of it. I don't know, I don't have infinite knowledge. And we live in a fallen world. But this I know, God's word still stands. That happened, I don't understand why. But I have to continue to believe God's word. As soon as I don't believe God's word, I have no leg to stand on in Christendom. I don't. You might as well walk out the church and say I'm not a Christian anymore. So we have to choose. Do we elevate our experience above the word, bearing in mind that our experience is just our experience? We don't know the reasons why. We don't understand if God was sovereign in that act, if he wasn't, if it's because bad things happen to good people, if there's a door that was open, if there was something. We don't know. So the safest thing to say is, Lord, I'm not going to be so proud as to elevate my experience above your word. I will choose to continue to stand on your word, even though I don't understand why that happened. And it's a test for us, isn't it? It's a test to say, will I still believe what the Bible says about the nature of my God, the goodness of God? Even when that happens, will I choose to stand on his word and still walk with him? Because as soon as we don't believe the truth of the word about the goodness of God, we might as well walk out the door and turn our back on being a Christian. You understand? So the word is so critical. The word is so important. Okay? And remember, when Jesus healed people, sometimes they were healed instantly. Sometimes they were healed as they went. There was a process. Amen. Sometimes the manifestation of the healing takes a while, okay? We don't understand everything. Do you remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was, he, was, he, he, he basically announced Jesus, you know, and he, 
yeah, he was the forerunner to Jesus. But at the end of his life, he was in prison. And Jesus was outside prison, and he was so disillusioned. And he said to the disciples, can you go and ask Jesus if he really is the Messiah or if there's another one? He was so disillusioned. And Jesus didn't come to him and say, John the Baptist, I'm going to set you free from prison. I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to save you. No, what happened to John the Baptist? He was beheaded. He was executed. So bad things still happened to good people in the Bible. And we don't understand why. Amen. I don't know why Jesus didn't go and rescue John the Baptist, who was his cousin. I don't know. But he didn't. Okay? But it doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change the nature of his word. Amen. Okay. Isaiah 53 verse 5. This is another scripture we can stand on for healing. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. When did he receive those stripes? A long, long time ago. That's when I was healed. So this sickness needs to bow its knee to what he did many, many years ago. Amen. And it will. And I will continue to stand until it bows its knee and leaves forever. Amen. Okay. If there's, for instance, if you're trusting God for salvation, I'm just wanting you to show that anything, any situation that you see in your life or around you, things that you believe in God for, you could go to the scripture and find a promise and stand on it. So for instance, if I'm believing for salvation for someone, I go to 1 Timothy 2. It says, therefore I exhort supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Verse, four, oh, verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all men except, does it say that? No, he desires all men to be saved. So I can come and stand on this. I say, Lord, in your word, you said that you desire all men to be saved. It is not your will that any should perish. And so, Lord God, I bring so-and-so before you. Lord, I pray, and I begin to pray, and I'm basing it on his word. And you know what? As I base it on his word, faith begins to rise in my heart. Amen. Okay, if I'm trusting God for provision, go back to the scripture, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me, I shall not lack. Lord, in your word, you say that you are my shepherd. Lord, you are a perfect shepherd. Father God, I thank you that you are my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. I thank you for your word where it says, I shall not lack. In the Passion Translation, it says, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Lord God, you are the one, the God who is God of more than enough. You are Al Shaddai. You are the full-breasted one. Father, I thank you for breakthrough in my life. I thank you that I will always have enough. I thank you, Lord God, that my children will never go hungry, Father. I thank you that they will always have their school fees paid because you are a God who is more than enough and I will have more than enough. Standing on his word. Psalm 34, verse 9 to 10. O fear the Lord, his saints, for there is no want to those who truly revere and worship him with godly fear. The young lions lack food and suffer hunger, but those who seek, inquire of, and require the Lord by right of their need on the authority of his word, none of them shall lack any beneficial thing. Father, I come before you this morning. Lord, and in my life, and we better make sure that we are submitted and we do walk and worship because this promise, it's conditional, isn't it? And a lot of God's promises are conditional. We have to be walking right for the promises to come to fruition. Lord, in my life, I am one of those who truly reveres and worships you with godly fear. Lord, I ask that you would reveal to me in my life any area where I'm not submitted to your word. And Lord God, I am willing to make the adjustments. But Father, to my knowledge, I, I walk in reverence toward you. And in your word, you say, for those who do that. There is no want. And so I thank you in my life. There will be no want, Lord God. Amen. Psalm 84 verse 11. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory 
honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Father, as far as I know, I'm walking uprightly, and today I choose to stand on this word. And I thank you that you will not hold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Any good thing. Father, I'm single, and I'm trusting you for the right man or the right woman at the right time. Lord, I thank you that you will not withhold any good thing from me. Stand on those words. Amen. Whatever it is, we can stand. And that's what I'm wanting us to do. I'm wanting to pick up us to pick up the word and use the word more than just supplicating and petitioning. Okay. So that's the first thing is in prayer, we need to use the word more. And how many of you know if we want to use the word more, we're going to have to be more in the word. Okay. We have to know what it actually says. Okay. Know what God's promises are towards us. Obviously, the second area that we can use the word is in warfare, is in warfare. We're experiencing warfare. Okay, what word can I pick up and wield against the enemy? Using the word of truth, the sword of the spirit. Okay, but remember when I'm using, when I'm coming to pray or I'm coming into warfare, a warfare situation, I'm wanting to use the word. (laughs) The first thing that I have to do is submit myself to the word. Okay, I have to submit myself because all authority is delegated authority. So I can't stand and wield the word with the authority God has delegated to me, but I'm not submitted to him. Okay, do you understand? Okay, so I am not integrous with my finances and I, maybe I, um, I'm giving an example, okay? I am integrous, just so you know. But say someone or is not integrous with their finances. They don't give. They're not generous. They're stingy. Maybe they pay bribes. Maybe they've stolen here or there. Maybe they crook the accounts a bit. Now they come before God and they're wanting to trust God for financial breakthrough and stand against the enemy who's maybe been robbing and stealing from them. Can they do that? They can't because they are not submitted to God's authority, and the only authority that they have in the spirit realm in terms of doing warfare is God's authority. So if they're not submitted, they better get their life right before they come to pray. They better repent. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So in, J- in James 4 verse 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You don't submit to God, you can resist the devil, and he's going to laugh at you. You understand? Submit to God, then resist the devil. And I just want to encourage us, you know, when you come to do warfare, don't launch straight into warfare. Make sure that you you are covered, like you're hidden. Amen? You're submitted, okay, in every area, and then begin to do warfare. And submission to the Word of God is actually an act of warfare. It's actually an act of warfare, submission to the Word. There's protection in aligning my life with the Word of God. If I'm out of alignment with the principles in God's word, I'm actually open to attack from the enemy. He has, a legal, he has a legal right to attack me, and I don't have a legal place to stand and do warfare against him. Okay, submit to God. Submission to the word positions me under God and his authority. It also positions me a right and closes access the enemy may have to my life. It closes access. So, for instance, I remember talking to a particular person and they're experiencing certain challenges and, in their life. And um, I just said to the person, so are you currently going to church? No, no, no. Um, they, they, they struggled with their last church and they're no longer in church. Um, but they're really, they're doing everything right and they submitted to the word of God in every area. And I'm thinking... Um, The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. You need to belong to a body, you know. You need to belong. There's protection in that. If you want to float around and be a free agent forever, of course you're going to come under attack. There's protection. There's some prayers that I will not pray in my own closet. I will wait until we all gathered. And there's the prayer of agreement, and then I'll pray it. I'm not foolish, okay. I don't want to be foolish. Heaven help me. We have to be a part of a body. Make sure you're aligned with God's word. Amen. Okay? So all those experience, all those challenges she's facing, I'm saying, I just I said to her, you need to belong to a local body. You need to belong to a local body. There's some prayers that she can pray on her own, but she needs the agreement of the church. Amen. For example, 
somebody came, I, I spoke to someone and some terrible things had happened to them, terrible, terrible. And they had every right to be offended and angry and hold unforgiveness towards a person. But I just looked at this person and I read this scripture to them and I said, Hebrews 12 says, strengthen the hands which hang down the feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may not be dislocated, but be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without, no, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, and lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Matthew 6, verse 14 to 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive you. So you can have been subject to something so terrible, have every right in the natural realm to hold unforgiveness. But according to the Word of God, which if you want to see breakthrough in your life, you're going to have to submit to this at some point. If you don't forgive, God is not going to forgive you. And if you, let bit, if you continue in that place, bitterness is going to spring up and it's going to defile you. And you won't experience breakthrough in your life. That's why they say having unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Okay, all it does is it positions you out of being submitted to God. So we have to submit all our lives to his word. Even the little things. In warfare, the little things count. The little things count, okay? Ignorance is not, not bliss. So unforgiveness, it's another area. I'm giving you examples. Persistence in sin. If, if you are persisting in a particular sin that you know is not, well, no sin is right, but you, you're transgressing and you know you need help, get help and repent. If you have a problem with pornography, get help. If you have a problem with lust, get help. Repent. Amen. If you have a problem with looking at other men and women, get help. I don't know what it is. If you've got sticky fingers and you like to steal, if you, like to, if you tell lies and it just slips out and you think, oh, it's just a little white lie, get help and stop it. Submit your life to the word of God because there are levels that God will not take you. He will not take you because he is so merciful. And he knows if he takes you there and you've got this sin, which you're still dabbling in, you're going to fall big time. Come on, God is so merciful. And if we're wanting to grow and we're wanting to progress, there are things that we need to say, you know what, Lord, I want to submit my whole life to you so I can fight and make progress. Ladies, submit to your husbands. Amen. Amen. Wives, submit to your husbands in Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. As to the Lord, submit to your own husbands. Submit to your own husbands. Thank goodness we don't have to submit to all men. Amen. But we have to submit. Okay? Keeping things secret. Doing this, doing that. Your tongue saying this, saying that. Be careful. Be careful, because when you come to pray and do warfare, you might just be undercutting the authority and the power of your own prayers. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their husbands in some things. Sorry? No, in everything. Do you not have that scripture? I think maybe I added it. I don't know. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Hallelujah. Okay, husbands with wives. 1 Peter 3 verse 7, husbands. Ladies, now you can say amen at this point, okay? Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm just saying what the word says. Ladies, do you want to say amen again? Amen. <laughs> okay, but when we are aligned with God and we're living right, these things are not difficult. Okay, but this is order. This is important so that when we come to warfare and lifting up the word of God, we're living in line with the word of God. Okay, using the word as a weapon. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. This is Paul instructing Timothy. He says, son, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping the prophecies made about you that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. 
God has given us promises. And maybe you say to me, well, I haven't had a prophetic word. Well, you know what, sweetie? You've got the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So guess what? You get into the word and you get promises for yourself. Amen. And if you have received a prophetic word, write it down and stand on it. Don't say five years from now, oh, well, the Lord said, you know, he said to me, but I'm still waiting and I haven't seen anything. Well, I'm going to ask you, have you picked it up and waged warfare with it? Well, no, I haven't because I don't know what that looks like. Well, I'm going to tell you what it looks like. It looks like you write it down. You remember it. Father God, I thank you that you said to me that you've called me as a prophet to the nations, that you are faithful to your word, that Lord God, you will use me to root out and pull down and tear down and throw down and build and plant. Father God, I thank you that you've said to me that you've given me a tongue of the learned that I would know how to speak a word in season to the broken, to the weary. I thank you for your word to fill my heart, mind, and mouth. Father God, I thank you that you said to me that your word will come forth from my mouth like a sharp two-edged sword. And I thank you that that's what's happening, Lord God. Father God, I believe you for it, even though I don't see it. That's what you do. So what has God spoken to you? Those scriptures that I was saying, those are from Isaiah. What has God spoken to you? What are his promises to you? And he gives promises to all of us. Fight the good fight. And you know what? The bigger the calling, the bigger the fight to see the calling come into being. And that fight that God is going to put before you, because the fight, he allows it to be there, it's going to be big, and you're going to need the things that he's spoken to you, because that's your offensive weapon. Amen. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's living. It's powerful. It's living. Let's just take that. It's living. So when I release a word over my kids, it's living. That means that it's there. It's circulating in the spirit. It's alive. It's having effect. Lord God, I thank you for Samuel. I thank you that you've called him to be an entrepreneur. I thank you that you've given him an anointing to create wealth. Lord, I call that forth. That prayer is circulating. It's alive. So it's from God. It's going to be over him even when I'm gone. Powerful, hey? Powerful. Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, and I shared this earlier, but water the earth, make it bring forth and bud. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I sent it for. What word is God sending over your life, over your situation right now? What is he sending? What promise is he sending? You know, say, for example, you're experiencing resistance, and I love to pray this scripture. You would have heard me pray it lots of times, I think. But I love it, and it's powerful. Isaiah 45, verse 2 to 3. Father God, I thank you that you are going before me right now, that you are making the crooked places straight, that you are breaking in pieces gates of bronze, you are cutting bars of iron. I thank you, Lord, that you are giving me treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that I will know that you, the Lord, calls me by my name and you are the God of Israel. Amen. Isaiah 45, Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 19. I also love this scripture. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no fruit on the vines. How many of you can identify with this? Though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food. Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the victorious God of my salvation. For the Lord is my strength. He is my personal bravery. He is my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk. Not to stand still in terror but to walk. And make spiritual progress upon my high place of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. Powerful scripture. Powerful scripture. Some of you need to stand up and say, Lord, I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to see. I'm not seeing the breakthrough that I want to see. But I am standing and I am rejoicing in you because you are still victorious. You are my personal bravery. You are my invincible army. And you will make me to walk, move, and make progress upon my heights. Amen. And as you say that, it's releasing it into the spirit realm. But you know what else it's doing? It's stirring up faith in my heart. 
I don't care what, what happens on the, in the natural. I don't care what I'm seeing. I will move and make progress, and my God will come through for me in Jesus' name. Okay? In prophecy, another area that we can use the word of God, Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. can think on that all day, I think. The things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It was framed by the word of God. The world was framed by the word of God. I'll ask you a question this morning. Your world, what word is framing your world? What word coming out of your mouth is framing and forming your world? Is it what God is saying or is it what the enemy is saying? Or is it what unbelief is saying? Or is it what your parents or your friends are saying? We have to be careful what we let come out of our mouths. You know, in Genesis 1, and you all know this, but I'm reminding you this morning, how did God create the world? He said, let there be, and it was. Let there be light and it was. Let there be this, and it was. And God's word is still powerful whether he releases it from his mouth or from my mouth. Amen. So what word are you releasing? Now, once the Lord said to me, I was in Grahamstown, and he said to me, you can have what you say, but you're saying what you have. You can have what you say, but you're saying what you have. What are you prophesying over your life? What are you saying? We want to walk in authority. We want God to use us, but what are we releasing with our mouths? And we often release with our mouths what we're thinking. So what are we thinking? What, are we, what thoughts are we thinking? I was talking to my mom this week, and I was saying, you know what? I have to align my thoughts with God's thoughts toward me, you know? I can't second guess myself and think, oh, you're just not that great, and think it's humility. Oh, you're just the least of the least. Oh, you just I have to align my thinking with what God is saying so that I can speak what he's speaking. Amen. In Ezekiel 37, verse 1 to 10, the hand of the Lord comes upon the prophet Ezekiel, and he's lifted out um, and he's set in a valley, and the valley is full of bones. And they were very dry. And the Lord said to him in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And he says, O Lord God, you know. Verse 4, again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, etc., etc. And he carries on prophesying. Verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And then sinews come upon them and flesh. And there arose a mighty army and he prophesied to the wind and breath came into this mighty army. What is all of that about? It's a picture of prophesying prophesying and prophesying to you. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Any Christian can prophesy. Prophesy is speaking the word of God. What are you prophesying to your family, to your children, to your finances, to your bank account, to your business, to your workplace? What are you prophesying over your life and your calling? What are you saying? What are you releasing? Is it what God is releasing? Words are capsules for spiritual dynamics. They're capsules for spirit. What are you releasing? What dynamics are you releasing over your world? Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life on the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 13, 2 to 3, from the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Do we realize the potential power that we have in the release of words from our mouth? Do we realize the potential power that we have in terms of releasing the word of God from our lips? The word of God is not more powerful if Pastor Paul declares it over you. It's the word of God, people. You can stand in your prayer closet and declare the word of God over your life with a believing heart and it will be powerful. You don't need some hired holy man from the north to come and prophesy it over you. Come on, we have to grow up. We won't always have prophets and people praying for us and speaking word over us. We have to grow up and say, you know what? I'm facing resistance today. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to pick up this word and I'm going to declare it over myself and I'm going to pray until I see breakthrough. I'm going to release this promise. I'm going to stand on this word. Don't wait until Sunday or next month maybe when you come to church and then you ask someone to pray for you. No, 
It's for all of us for today. It's for when we walk out of there. It's for tomorrow. It's when we face a battle. We've got to learn to stand on our own two feet and use this weapon, which is the word. Amen. We need the word in feeding ourselves. We have to feed ourselves. How many of you know if you fast for a week, you get weak, right? If you don't eat food in the natural, you get weak. It's a picture of the spirit realm. I wonder if we could view ourselves and view the church from God's perspective, spiritual eyes. I wonder how strong the church would look. Or I wonder if we would have a weak, anemic church because she doesn't eat enough. She doesn't feed herself. Or maybe we'll be fat because we eat a lot, but we never use it. I don't know. Okay. But we have to feed ourselves. And I'm not just talking about feeding as in coming to church and listening to a message on Sunday. If you have a meal once a week, you might be okay, but you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow. You're not going to be healthy, okay? Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, the Lord humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's how we live spiritually. What is God's preceding word to you today? What is his preceding word to you this week? Do you know? He's got a preceding word for you, and his preceding word will probably be linked to the battle that you're facing. And ignorance is not bliss. bliss. We can't say, well, I, you know, I'm tired, and I just, I don't know what the preceding word is, but you still face the battle tomorrow. You need the preceding word. You need the strength from the word. Amen. And Jesus quotes that scripture in Matthew 4. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I love a picture um, when Elijah, the picture of, of, of this, of feeding on God's word and the strength that it gives. In 1 Kings 19, basically, Ahab tells Jezebel um, all that Elijah has done, how he's executed all their prophets with a sword. And Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah, basically threatening him. And Elijah suddenly, I, th I think it must have been quite a strong spirit of fear or something, because he ran, runs for his life, and he goes to Beersheba. And um, he goes into the wilderness and he sits under a broom tree. And at that point, he prays that he'll die. Lord, take my life from no better than my father's. Verse 5. He, then as he lay down and slept under a broom tree, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. Verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came back and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. He went as far as the mountain of God. For some of you, the journey that God has for you is very great. And in order to full, fully run the journey and the calling that he has for you, you're going to need to eat and eat well, that you can run on the strength of that food. Amen. Like Elijah did, we have to feed ourselves. And I want to encourage you, if you need to be strategic about it, be strategic about it. Get a plan, get a Bible reading plan, or get a DVD where you're learning about something, but feed yourself. Feed yourself, okay? We also need the word in terms of shaping our worldview. That's number E, in shaping our worldview. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all obedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You see, God has a pattern, a biblical, biblical principles for every area of life. So he has ideas about how things should happen. He has ideas, and we have to align our thinking with his thinking. Amen. So whether it's family, church, business, land and agriculture, science, technology, government, legislature, judiciary, education, health, everything, God has ideas. And we have to shape our worldview around that because ideas have consequences, you know. And I like to say this, if I don't own anything, how can I be generous? Why would God want us to be a country of communists and Marxists who don't own anything? Because then why would he say that we need to be generous? If I, so it goes contrary to the word of God. We build everything according to God's pattern and principles. Amen. 
Okay, everything. Ideas have consequences. Thoughts, ideas, belief systems, they have consequences. We need to educate ourselves so we think right, think biblically, live biblically. You know, we, we know a particular person who seems to be on fire for the Lord, and then he went and got himself a second wife. So either, and he's a Christian, or so he calls himself. Either you submit yourself to the word of God completely or not. But don't tell me you're a Christian and you pray in tongues and you're on fire, but you're going to go and get yourself a second wife. And can I just ask, where in that whole process was there no lust, no looking at other women while you are currently married and being completely faithful to your current wife? Do you know what I mean? It must apply to all of life. Amen. Okay. I think you get that. But bringing it closer to home, okay, in my lives, his word must be my foundation in your life. So my use of time, my work ethic, how I conduct myself at work, it all needs to be, I need to be submitted to him, okay? So do I use the telephone at work to make all my personal calls? That's stealing people. Unless in your contract they said you can phone overseas and make as many phone calls as you like. I'm being, I'm being honest. That's the truth. That's the, belt, that's the belt of truth. That's being integrous. Stealing stationery from the workplace. It's still stealing. Whether they pay you well or whether they don't, you still signed on the dotted line to say you agreed to those terms and being paid that amount. Amen. Okay? How I conduct myself at work. Do I use company time? I steal company time to counsel and do the things of the Lord. No. You do your work with diligence. And they pay you for your time, so you're faithful with that. You chose to be there. Even if they mistreat you, you deal with that. It's a separate issue. But you be diligent and faithful and excellent in your work, and you counsel people on your own time. Amen. Use of time. Coming to church. Can I go there? I know that things happen. Sometimes it always happens on a Sunday. The gate doesn't work, doesn't open, doesn't close. The dog runs out the gate. The alarm isn't working, you know. I know things happen. The kids are dilly-dallying and they're taking long to get into the car. I know. Or like last week, I forgot Uncle Ben. I got to church and I'm like, oh, I forgot Uncle Ben. So I had to go back and fetch him, but fortunately I was still on time, Okay. So I know things happen. But when it's a habit where we start praise and worship and half the church, in fact, 70, 80, 90% of the church is not even at church. But you go to work on time, and that's earlier. You know, I hate starting meetings late when people are late. I dishonor the people who came on time for those that came late. I don't like to do it. When we come to church, you're not coming for me. You made a commitment to come. Honor God with your time. Honor the band. They have to be here really early. Most of them aren't paid. They're volunteers. They come here every Sunday. You come here, I don't know, maybe two. Okay? Honor them. Honor the band. They start on time. They're here on time. Honor God. You're coming to Him. You rock up on the last song of worship. Do you know what corporate worship is about? It's, it's not about them having their own personal quiet times and you watching or you having your personal quiet times. It's about all of us, all of us experiencing we worshiping God. So you come in at the end of the last song. We entered into some place. You come in, 5, 10, 15 people come in. It changes everything. All of you are just left. You're watching. You're spectators. You haven't come with us. We all want to go together. Amen. With your time, you can be on time for work. Maybe you start work at 7 or 8, I don't know, 9, and you work in Joburg and there's traffic. We start church at half past 9. Come on, people. Honor God with your time. We're excellent. We are people of excellence. Amen. You know? And yes, I know things happen. But if you always come when the announcements are happening, there's a problem. If you don't like the praise and worship, find another church. But get to that church and be on time. Amen. Amen. The worship is not for you and it's not for me. It's for God. We want to honor him. Okay. 
How I treat my loved ones, my spouse, my parents, my family, I have to base it on the Word of God. I have to be submitted to the Word of God in those areas. How I parent, how I steward my gifts, my health, my finances. I must base it on the Word of God so I can be submitted to God's Word. So when I stand and I begin to wield that word, sword of the Spirit, I have authority to do so. How I view and relate to the opposite sex. It's important whether you're married or whether you're single. Amen. I must build my life upon the word. Okay. In temptation, Jesus was tempted. Um, and he gives a great example, Luke 4, verse 1 to 12. It's quite a long, long um, portion of scripture. But each time when the devil tempts him, um, okay, let me just read it to you. My computer's a bit slow for some reason. So, um, Verse 4. But Jesus answered the devil and says, it is written. He's using the word of God. Amen. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. He was hungry. He just finished a 40-day fast. The devil said, if you, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. No. He said, no, it is written. Second temptation, verse 8, when the devil wants him to worship, Jesus to worship him, Jesus responds and says, get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Tempted a third time. You know, and Jesus responds with the word of God. He gives us a great pattern when we tempt when we tempted. Use the word of God. You know what the other pattern is when you're tempted? Flee temptation. <laughs> okay. Flee temptation. Okay. Pregnancies don't just happen. Like my husband always says, there's a whole process. You undo the belt, you have to be alone, you take off the clothes. Flee temptation. Amen. Okay, if it's a movie, if it's this, whatever, just flee, okay, and use the word of God as your weapon. You see, when the devil tempted Jesus, he was tempted, the first temptation was around appetites. So appetites are not bad, it's what you do to feed them. Instead of feeding your appetites that are not okay, use the word of God and run away from it. Amen. Okay. I love what Rick Joyner says. Um... When he talks about, he was just talking about, he's a prophet, he was just talking about how with the amount of word and revelation and experiences he's had with the Lord, he should be further than he is. And I think it's true for all of us. For me as well, with the amount of word and amount of things that I've exposed to, I shouldn't get impatient like I get impatient when I'm in, in traffic and they, those taxis. They just get under my skin, Okay. Or that person who goes, doesn't know how to drive around a circle, annoys me, you know. But it gets under my skin, and it shouldn't because of where I am in the Lord. So for all of us, we have those things. We have to submit ourselves to the Lord in every area. James 1 verse 12 to 15 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life. Amen. Verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, because God cannot tempt and cannot be tempted by evil. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When desires conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, brings forth death. The temptation or being tempted is not sin, it's what comes after. We have to use the word of God. Amen? Submit ourselves to the word of God and use the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And I think the last application of the word of God in warfare that I'm wanting to use is the belt of truth. You know, Ephesians 6 verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Like I said, truth is our belt. It holds our pants up. It covers our nakedness. Okay. It's about anchoring ourselves. It's about walking in integrity. It's about allowing truth to dictate my life. It's about allowing God's word to direct me in everything. Allowing God's truth to be an anchor in my life, the foundation which I build upon. Ephesians 4 verse 14 to 15 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning, uh, and the cunning craftiness of plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love, no longer children. That's about being founded and rooted and grounded on the word and living according to the word. And I love that speaking the truth in love. We still have to speak the truth. Amen. Amen. Okay. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Problem we have in the church is most people are too ashamed that if they expose something, they're going to get shot by their fellow brothers. And you know what? It does happen, unfortunately. I think the body of Christ is the only army where we shoot our own wounded. Yeah, we do. We shoot our own wounded and somehow we feel more powerful and better when we've shot someone who's a fellow brother in the same army that we're walking in. No. We have to walk in the light. Choose wisely, but walk in the light. Share your stuff. Reveal. Be open. Submit yourself to the word. And if somebody else reveals stuff to you, please don't shoot them. Okay. Let them be cleansed. I've read this portion um, to you all before a while ago. It's from a, 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 Rick, uh, a book by Rick Joyner. He had an experience where God took him into heaven and showed him the state of the church. And I'm going to read it again, if that's okay, because it's a great picture of using the word as an anchor. Are you going to listen? Amen. They were climbing a mountain, by the way, and each level on the mountain was a different truth. Um, so there was salvation. There were different truths at each level. And this is what he says. Our swords grew after we reached each new level, but I almost left mine behind because I did not seem to need it at higher levels. That's often what we do as the church. We, leave, we put down our sword, which is the word of God. I almost casually decided to keep it, thinking that it must have been given to me for a reason. Then because the ledge I was standing on was so narrow and slippery, I drove the sword into the ground and I tied myself to it while I shot at the enemy. The voice of the Lord then came to me saying, me, saying, you have used the wisdom that will enable you to keep climbing. So he tied himself and he used the word, the sword, as an anchor. Many have fallen because they did not use their swords properly to anchor themselves. No one else seemed to hear this voice, but many saw what I'd done and did the same. I wondered why the Lord had not spoken this to me before. I then knew that he'd already spoken this to me somehow. As I pondered it, I began to understand that my whole life had been training for this hour. And I knew that I was prepared to the degree that I had listened to the Lord and obeyed his voice throughout my life. Important. Submitting to the word. I also knew that the reason... The wisdom and understanding I now had could not be increased or taken away while in this battle. That for some reason the wisdom could not be taken away. Sorry, my computer's slow. I was thankful for every trial I'd experienced in my life. I was sorry for not appreciating them more. Soon we were hitting the demons with almost perfect accuracy. Rage ascended from the enemy army like fire and brimstone. I knew that the Christians trapped in that army were now feeling the brunt of that rage. Some of the demons became so angry that they were now shooting at each other. Normally this would have been encouraging, but those who suffered the most were the deceived Christians in the camp of the enemy. I knew that to, to the world this was appearing to be an incomprehensible meltdown of Christianity itself. Some of those who had not used their swords as anchors were able to strike down many of the vultures. The vultures were from the enemy, but they were also more easily knocked from the ledges that they were standing on. Some of these landed on a lower level, but some fell all the way to the bottom and were picked up and carried off by the vultures. I spent every free moment trying to drive my sword deeper into the ledge or trying to tie myself more securely to it. Every time I did this, wisdom would stand beside me, so I knew it was very important." So what he was describing a battle that the church was in, that the, that the church is in. And he was describing using that sword as an anchor on a very slippery, narrow ledge. That is a picture of our lives. We've been given the sword. We need to tie ourselves to the word of God, anchor ourselves to the word of God. Proverbs 20 verse 28 says, Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. Mercy and truth. Truth, the word of God. So this morning I've covered quite a lot and I've looked at a lot of um, things ar around the word and using the word in warfare. And as you leave here, I want to remind you that there are many spiritual weapons that God has given us and made available to us. And the first one that I've wanted to cover is the word of God. And I want us to remember as we leave from here that the word is alive, that the word is active, that the word is our sword, that the word is our defense, that it's what we have to build our lives upon, that it's what we need to submit to if we're wanting to have authority as we wage war. And we need to remember that the word is powerful. And lastly, remember that the word is a person. The word is Jesus. Amen. The word is Jesus. And you see that in, in, in John.
Okay. So thanks, St. Paul. You can come up. And I'd like you all to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. So this morning, if you are here and you're saying to me, you know what? As you were speaking, there was an area in my life which I think I need to just bring before God. I need to submit myself in this specific area. Or if you say to me, you know what? I want to make, recommit myself to submitting every area of my life to the word and really ask God to show me where there's any lack of alignment. I'd like you, if you fit into those two, can you just slip up your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Okay, there are a number of people. I'm going to ask you to stand. You can stand before God this morning. Father God, we come before you this morning, every person who's standing, Lord, for whatever reason. You know our hearts. You know what they're saying in their hearts. But Father, this morning we come before you and, and we say whether it's a specific area, you can, you can speak to the Lord. Or it's a general, you know what, I want to submit myself to your word and be submitted in every area that I can stand in your authority. Father, we bring ourselves to you and I thank you for a grace to do this. Holy Spirit, may you show us, may you speak to us so specifically. We know that you're specific. You're specific. May you, as we leave from here, may you show us where we need to align ourselves with your word and submit ourselves to your word. And I pray for those who are repenting of specific things this morning, for a grace to turn, to repent. We pray for mercy, Lord. We pray for grace. We pray for divine enablement to turn and to start a new chapter this morning in Jesus' name. And if you want to make a commitment before the Lord to pick up the sword, which is the word of God, and use it in prayer, and you, you're asking him for help this morning, you want to become more skillful, why don't you just raise your hands to him. If you're not standing, you can stand, raise your hands. Father God, we raise our hands to you, Lord God, and we ask that you would put in our hands that sword of the Spirit, that you would help us, Lord. You would teach us, you would train us, you would show us how to wield the Word of God for every situation that presents itself. We pray that you would make us accurate warriors in the Spirit realm, Lord, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, I pray for each person here standing that you would ignite in us such a desire and a hunger for your word. We pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding, Lord, a spirit of revelation, a spirit of knowledge as we open your word. We pray that you would give us a strategy, Lord God, to know how to study the word. Would you lead us, Holy Spirit? Show us what words we need to get into, what words, you, what words you've given us for our lives. And I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would show them promises from you. You would show them promises. You would show them prophetic words from your word. And you would help us to stand on these things, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness. Amen and amen. Yeah, I want you to give the Lord a hand.